Welcome back to another edition of the First Draft Podcast, second one of 2021. And the first is the conclusion of the college football season. Field Yates in for the second show. Did not get canned after just one by Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay, who are also on the line. So you guys are telling me that I didn't totally screw things up. Oh, but another another show wouldn't week. hurt, Field. Another show would benefit you. Okay. A couple more shows will benefit Field. Let's get Field. him some reps, Kuyper. Let's get him reps. I'm with you, pal. I'm with you. Another show or two, then we'll make our assessment, Field. So you got a little bit of a, of a preseason here with us. All right, no job security until, like, March for me is what you guys are telling me. We are, of course, going to recap last night's, because this is taped on Tuesday, January 12th, last night's college football playoff final. Alabama is now once again the national champion. We're going to talk about Devontae Smith a little bit later on in the show, obviously, just a dynamic performance from him and all the other major takeaways from last night's game. But we're going to start in an order that's kind of just been arbitrarily decided upon. And last week on our first show of the new season, we talked a lot about Trevor Lawrence, of course. But, Mel, we talked a ton about Justin Fields as well, as he had just come off of the impressive showing against Clemson and felt like kind of reasserted himself back into the conversation to be the next player taken behind Trevor Lawrence in late April. Last night, he goes 17 for 33, 194 yards with a touchdown, plus six carries for 67 yards. Uh, remember, one of those was a 33-yard scramble mm-hmm. showing off that athletic ability. What did you make of Fields' performance last night, and was his stock, do you think, one way or the other, impacted at all based off what we saw? I think you have to be careful with the injury. I remember he looked well. Was it you know was it a hip, you know, pointer? Was it ribs? And when he took that hit from Skowski, I say hip pointer. Uh, not a hundred percent, even close to a hundred percent last night. So I give him credit for being out there for finishing the, the Clemson game the way he did. But uh, it, it was a tough evaluation for, and then losing Trey Sermon right away. You know, just like when you think about Nick's first championship at Alabama. Remember Colt McCoy for Texas yeah. went out early, and then here's the the sixth championship, seventh overall for Nick and the team he's playing loses their top running back right away immediately. So Trey Sermon and Wyatt Davis, of course, got hurt as well, the offensive guard. Uh, So I think for Justin Fields, and I'll bring it up now, and I think this for quarterbacks, when you have a great performance two years ago, your first year as a starter, and with COVID and all the interruptions, you go back to not having Olave for Northwestern and struggling in two games this year, then having the big game when he got hurt against Clemson and struggling last night when you knew he wasn't 100%. I think going back to Ohio State for a another year as opposed to coming into the National Football League without that momentum from having a great season like you did two years ago. Kind of right things, work on things fundamentally. Ohio State's got a ton of talent coming in every year. They're always reloading. They're not rebuilding there. So Ryan Day will have plenty of talent in place. I think it's worth a little minute or two discussion as to whether Justin Fields will be better off going back to Ohio State for the 2021 season. Yeah, so Todd, let's establish this, by the way, is like, we know it's probably not going to happen, right? Like, we know how incredibly yeah. unlikely it is. But what do you think about the benefits of Justin Fields returning? I think look, just look at the history. I mean, the vast majority of quarterbacks that come out in the NFL draft, if they've had over 25 starts, they've had more experience, they have success in the NFL. And it's, it, it, it's great to go get that first, you know, that first contract. And it, listen, if you told me at 22 years old that I could go make $20 million over a five-year span, yes, no matter what, no matter what you're asking me to do, I'm going to do it. But the second contract is where you get to like $100 million, you know, and you want to have success in the league. I think Mel's right. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think Mel's exactly right. I and, and I, I was trying to say this last week, and I've been trying to say it for the last few weeks since Indiana and then the Northwestern game. He's not there yet. He's, like, if you study film and you know what you're talking about and you know how to identify what quarterbacks are looking for and you know defensive coverages and you know how, you, how to get off your primary to your secondary to your third target, you can see that he's not there yet. And, and Ryan Day is so good at protecting him and putting him in good spots that it doesn't show up a whole lot. But if you really study what's going on, Fields is not there yet. 
So he's either going to go in the league and need time to develop, or he should come back to college football and continue to develop. Either way, he's not, he's not exactly ready yet. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a great quarterback in the league. I mean, there, there have been so many guys. Pat Mahomes was kind of a little bit like this. And I, I've told this story before. But Pat Mahomes, I talked to him in his second year training camp before he, the first game he started. He told me he didn't know how to identify a Mike linebacker, meaning the middle linebacker, which is something you learn in, like, in high school. Where's the middle linebacker that sets up the protection and, and all of that? And, and, and he said he, just, he needed that year with Alex Smith. He needed that year with that coaching staff. And he needed a year to actually learn the NFL game. So the problem is you don't know where Fields is going to land. Does he land in a spot where they need him to start right away? They throw him in. There's not a supporting cast and all those other things. I think that's the biggest concern for me. And, and he's, he has to decide what he wants to do. But ultimately, um, I, I don't think he's ready mentally quite yet. You know, it's funny you mention uh, whether, you know, where, where he lands, such an interesting point for Justin Fields, which it is, I suppose, for every prospect. But I was just thinking about your first mock drafts, Todd, and fourth overall with Zach Wilson, where that would be the Atlanta Falcons. Justin Fields, separate and apart from the fact that he is from the state of Georgia, landing in Atlanta might be what you're talking about. The opportunity to sit there and be groomed over the course of one or two years for however long uh, Matt Ryan is still there, but if he went to, for example, the Jets, number two overall, the expectation would be Sam Darnold's moving on and Justin Fields is the guy. It's obviously very difficult for us to imagine a scenario where Justin Fields doesn't declare, but if he did return for the 2021 season, I think he would have the opportunity to be a, the face of college football for this upcoming year and maybe build towards maybe not a Trevor Lawrence level of stock, but at least enter the season as if this guy plays like we expect him to play, he could very well be the front runner for the 2022 number one overall selection. Um, obviously, let me say this real quick, Phil. Let me to finish. You talk about preparation and being ready to go when you're stepping up from college to pro. When you're going into a job scenario out of college, whatever it may be, you want to feel like you're well-equipped and you're prepared. Now, you know you've got a lot of things you still have to learn, but I've done, I've kind of maximized everything I needed to do in college to get to this big jump from college to pro, and it'll give me more of a chance early on to feel mentally and physically I'm ready to go. I know all the things that Todd was touching on fundamentally that needed to be done. So another year will help you feel more confident, more prepared to take on being the face of an organization, and the expectation which are through the roof once you're drafted high in the first round and you're brought into that team. And now we're saying if you're in their second year and you're not playing great, you're a bust, you're, you're terrible, you've you got to be replaced, and they're already critiquing you and ripping you on all the shows and all the platforms. That's what you have to deal with. So to be prepared for all that without having all these little things to still work through I really think will benefit a Justin Fields. Why rush to the NFL? Other players wait and say, I'm going to go back for another season, work on some things. Why not? Justin Fields now, go back to Ohio State like, with all that talent around them. When you were 18 years old, how much it would? I can distinctly remember being 18 and then being 21, 22. There was a difference. You mm-hmm. you grow up. You're you're around college. You're, you're kind of learning things and 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 growing up not in your house and not with your mom and 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 family around you and and everything else. Like you're. There's, there's something about that maturity level that helps. And, I, and it, it, just look at this year's class, Trevor Lawrence. Talking to him from last year and having the 25-minute discussion I told you guys about last week that I had with him before the Wake Forest game, and sitting in this truck, just listening to him, it was like he, like he was a different person. You know, and you, just, you grow up so much when you're in that age range. And you start to learn so much more. And then all of a sudden, you walk into a locker room, and now you're making more money than a lot of these guys who are 32-year-old veterans or whatever whatever it is. I, I, listen, Justin Fields can handle it. I know, I know he can. And he's so physically talented, and he's smart. He's just he, – he's still developing. And it, you need – any job in the world, you need experience. 
And I think that's what he's lacking because you see the flashes, but you don't see the consistency. And that's the biggest issue I have right now with him. Uh, so while Fields has some decisions to make and likely will head to the NFL, we've got some other players from Ohio State to discuss as well, guys who caught our eye positively, negatively, or otherwise last night. Let's start at wide receiver. And you know, last night Chris Olave, Todd, uh, finished with eight catches for 69 yards. I don't want to compare his skill set to Devontae Smith because Devontae Smith is on a different level. I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but it felt like Chris Olave had to work a lot harder for his eight catches and 69 yards and no touchdowns than Devontae Smith did for his 215 receiving yards <laughs> and three touchdowns last night. I actually In thought, the first half. Yeah, ridiculous. I actually thought that maybe Chris Olave kind of helped himself last night against some of the best competition he'll have on tape during his entire college career. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I, I think he's a really good player. I think he's one of the best five, six wide receivers in this class. I really do. And I, I think, you know, he, if he's not late first, he's going to be early second round. And you can just – you see his routes and you see what he's able to do getting in breaks. It, it's a great class, though. That's that's the problem. you got Devontae Smith. You've got Jamar Chase from LSU. Uh, Jalen Waddell for, from Alabama – coming off the injury we'll talk about him later Rashad Bateman from Minnesota um, Terrace Marshall who's emerged from LSU I mean there are a lot of Elijah Moore who's emerging who really had a a great season coming out of Ole Miss this this year but Chris Chris uh, Olave in my opinion Olave I always say his name wrong he he has the ability to accelerate out of cuts and get down the field and I think that's something that NFL teams are going to really love. And I think – I don't know what he's going to run. I don't, I, I don't know if he's 4'4", four but he's about 6'1", 185. He's probably around 4'4", four, 8", four, somewhere in that range. But he knows how to accelerate out of cuts, and he knows how to get open down the field. And, and that's why I, I don't think – I'll be shocked if we get to pick 50 and he's not off the board. Mel, you mentioned earlier how the last night's game sort of took shape in a comparable way to Nick Saban's first ever national championship with a notable injury early. That was to Trey Sermon, the very, very talented Ohio State running back who transferred from Oklahoma this past year. One carry, two yards, and then left the game, eventually had to go to the hospital to get some more medical attention. So that made a big mark on this game last night. It also opened the opportunity for Master Teague to basically play as an every down back as Ohio State was down another one of its top three running backs because of COVID-19 protocols. Uh, if Now that we have sort of the full body of work on Trey Sermon, where do you think he has landed in the pecking order of top running backs that are draft eligible in a few months here? It was a shame last night to go down so early and not have a chance to showcase your talent on that big stage against that Alabama defense with all those guys like Barmore and company uh, trying to contain you and put all of it on now Justin Fields once he got hurt. Uh, but I think what he had done this year, what he did at Oklahoma, go back to those Sooner games, of course he did have the injury and then left to come to Ohio State. I think he's battling to be the third, fourth running back off the board. You have a real good one, obviously, in, in Ajay Harris, and we'll get to him in a minute. Great football player. Travis Etienne Clemson, Javante Williams had a whale of a year at North Carolina, tackle breaker supreme, and there are others. But you could go right after that or right after Etienne. He's going to be in that mix. We'll see how his workout goes. But uh, Trey Sermon proved he could catch the ball, and, and his running style is what the NFL was looking for. So it's just a shame he wasn't able to finish it off. To Olave, just to finish him, I count about right now, Todd, about 15 teams that could use a wide receiver in the first or second round. We saw the Bears. We saw Tennessee this past week in the playoffs. Teams that need more weapons. Uh, so there's yeah. a, all these receivers are out there. They had great success coming into the draft from last year. And I think you're going to see a lot of receivers in the first two rounds because, like I say, 15 teams in the NFL could use help at that spot. Yeah, it's, it's again, going to be a year where there are a lot of shoppers, both in free agency and eventually in the draft at wide receiver. On the defensive side of the ball for Ohio State, I don't think anybody is going to sit there and say it was their proudest moment, one of those burn-the-tape type efforts uh, for the defense based off how Alabama performed. But, Todd, I don't. I, I got to be careful because I don't want to make it sound like a criticism of the kid. But Sean Wade, as we know, opted out of the college football season and then eventually opted back in for Ohio State. It feels like coming into the year, there was a school of thought that maybe he could play his way into top five, top ten consideration. 
Where does he fit now in the NFL? Because this was a much different year for him. Obviously, he adjusted from being a primarily slot corner to a primary, primarily perimeter corner. How has his, I think, stock sort of taken shape based off what you saw from him in the eight games for Ohio State? I think he's he proved that he belongs inside. He's a nickel yeah. corner. He can play a little free safety. He can move around. He's physical. He's tough. He can tackle in the open field really well. We saw that again last night. But he is not cut out, at least at this point, to be a, a perimeter cover corner that takes away your number one wide receiver. He's just not. You know, we've seen it all year, and it's too bad to see. And you, everyone expected it because you watch, you watch these number one cornerbacks come from Ohio State and go to the NFL draft, and he was kind of waiting his turn, and he did. And everyone expected he's the next guy up. He's the five-star recruit, and he's, he's the next guy. And he just hasn't been. But he's a slot cover corner who can play that overhang he can be physical. He can play the run. He can be very effective. He can play on special teams. I think he's a day-two pick. I think he's probably a, a second-round pick when it's all said and done. And coming into the year, I, I liked his tape, and I said this last week. I liked his tape, but I didn't see the same things that I saw in you know uh, all the other corners that we've seen come out of Ohio State. Yes, and that. And it kind of it was proven this year, and so I think he's worst case third, but I think he's going to be a second round pick. And I appreciated honestly watching him battle last night against some great wide receivers, and how physical he was, and how he supported the run, and how he did the little things. And I think that's going to be his role in the NFL. Mel, this is that's all bad. He's clearly he's out of position. I mean, that's yeah. about he was just out of position. And you saw him against Indiana. He'd almost have coverage, wouldn't look back and locate the ball. He did have the pick six, which actually sealed that victory. It was a key to that victory over Indiana when they came back from down thirty-five-seven. His pick six flipped that game uh, for Ohio State. So he's one of the key reasons why they're where they are right now, and, and had a chance to even play for a national championship. But watching him, he just looked like he's not comfortable. He's not confident. We didn't, you even we saw... didn't know Mel. We didn't know like behind Okuda and Arnett. Like how, right. we just didn't know because we couldn't see. And then he moves outside. And he's not the same guy. He's, he's but when he was inside, he was great. Inside. Right. He, inside, he was great. Last year, if you go back to that Clemson game, that semifinal game, when he ta- got that targeting penalty, when that hit on Lawrence, on that blitz, yep. that yep. changed that game. So Sean Wade was a key entity in that talent-laden secondary for Ohio State when he was positioned properly to maximize what he does and make him be ultra-confident. He doesn't look like the same player. He hasn't all year. He looks like he's just out there kind of lost in space. And I think when you go back to the Waddle catch, look at that play. Okay? You know, Alabama gets the ball to start the second half, right? You know, Smith hurts his finger. You know, Waddle right after that beat Sean Wade for a first down catch. Wade gave him about five yards of cushion. Why in the world would you be afraid of Waddle beating you deep with the ankle injury he's playing through? Yet he allowed so much cushion it was an easy break off the route, out route catch, no problem picking up 12, 15 yards. You saw him late getting over on the Slade Bolton touchdown. So he just doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look confident, and that's why he's had issues. But say second round for Sean Wade, I'll take him in a minute. He's a good football player. I like his attitude, his approach, he fought through it. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle even with the ankle. These are good. Devontae Smith's off the charts. But I think for Sean Wade, just playing the wrong position, that's not where he's going to be, be at his best in college, obviously. And in the NFL, you have to know how he fits in to what you do schematically in that secondary. We'll see where he ends up uh, with the draft order. But a guy who, as you guys both said, I admire the fact that he came back and competed this year when it could have been easy for him to say, you know what? I'm not playing this year. I'm going to get ready for April in 2021. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is going to sound a little weird, given the fact that he was a Heisman finalist, had 464 passing yards last night, and five touchdowns. That, of course, being Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. I almost feel like, though, Mel and Todd, and I'll start with you, Todd, that the Mac Jones tape evaluation is really, really difficult because the numbers are off the charts. I mean, ridiculous production. I think the question, what's going to be working against Mac Jones, is the idea that he's playing with, you know, two first-round picks at wide receiver for sure, probably a first-round running back, very good offensive line, just an overwhelming amount of talent. It's going to sound silly to ask you, to like, how did you assess his performance last night? The guy threw for 464 yards. Obviously, it was a remarkable performance. Where is his draft stock now, though? Like, how difficult of an evaluation is it for a guy who put up the gaudiest of stats? I, well, I'll talk, I, Todd, I, real quick. Go I ahead, Mel. I just think this in watching that game, Todd. You know, here's a guy who became an elite college quarterback almost overnight. I mean, he had four starts last year, yeah. okay? So he's coming to the league with, what, 17 starts. So not, not the kind of starts you want. But to watch him out there, and I, I thought the key for me watching him last night, this is a, you know, a 38-24 game. After Ohio scored, State scored in a minute, Fields had to pass to Wilson, then he ran for 30 yards and to pass to Wilson for the touchdown. It's a 38-24 game with 6.45 left in the third quarter. Alabama's next drive, they got a third and two. Mac Jones moved around on that third and two at his own 33-yard line. Enough. By the time, moved around, got the ball to Jale- – found Jaleel Billingsley for the completion – that got it to the Ohio State 45-yard line. He went down and they scored. He had another uh, run for, I think, 10 yards. And he's not a runner. He's not Joe Burrow. We've said that. that. That's exaggerated. He's not Burrow. But he did enough with his legs to buy time. Then he had a run, which led to that touchdown and put him up 45-24 on that pass to Slade Bolden. I think when you look at, at this, he's a kind of quarterback. And you say, needing talent. Well, Joe Burrow had a ton of talent around him as well, Todd. And look what he did. He's not Joe Burrow. Mac Jones is not Joe Burrow. He doesn't have the athletic ability or the running skills. But his accuracy... His confidence, his knowledge, his smarts all indicates if you protect them and you have the offensive line, he's going to put a lot of pressure on that line. Mac Jones will have a chance to be a successful starting quarterback. Here's the tricky part. He's like 10 years ago, he, he's a top 10 pick. He really is, you know, because he's inside the pocket. He is a 4.0 student, super intelligent, unbelievable pocket presence. Feels it, anticipates it, gets the ball out, does all the right things. But he doesn't move around. He moves around in, in the pocket well enough, but he can't take off and run and extend plays like a lot of these other guys, like you know, like Trevor Lawrence, like Zach Wilson, like Justin Fields, any of these guys. So that's the concern. But if you put him in the right system, somewhere where you know it's play action kind of moving the pocket a little bit, he's, he's going to be successful in the league. And the more I've studied, the more I believe in Mac Jones. The more I study, the more I believe in this guy. Seriously. I, 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 just, I think he has the intelligence and the toughness and a lot of the qualities that you need to be highly, highly successful in the league. And I love the fact that he hung around Alabama with Tua Vailoa and knowing that he might not play, and Bryce Young coming in is Pasadena, California, uh, but the you know the great high school that what is it, um, uh, Mater D or whatever they call it, yep. and this guy who was supposed to be the the best quarterback in the country, and he was going to win the job, and he said absolutely no, this is my job, I refuse to lose this job, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian told me, straight up, he said. He refused to lose the job. Everyone in Tuscaloosa, everyone in the state of Alabama, everyone thought that this was going to be Bryce Young's job, and Mac Jones would not lose it. And you can see that, you know, that resolve in him 
the way he plays. You can see it when he's warming up in games. Like, it, just the, everything about him, I just really appreciate and love the way he plays the game. And he's so intelligent in terms of what, what the defense is trying to throw at him and, and then him adjusting to it. And I, I think he's going to have a lot of success, and he's, he's going to move up a little bit. My next rankings, he's going to be moved up at least inside the top 20. There's a lot of quarterbacks still, Todd. You talk about the running. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants the Lamar Jackson, the Josh Allen. But when you look at what Phillip Rivers has done, you go back to Joe Flacco winning the Super Bowl. You look at Peyton Manning. I'm not going to go to Tom Brady because he's the greatest of all time, but he's still a pocket guy that couldn't run and wasn't athletic. Okay, so yeah. you go to, you know, like I say, Eli Peyton. Uh, you know, there are quarterbacks in this league. Matt Ryan, he, he's a pocket guy going to beat you with his arm, not his legs, although he can move. So, again, I think you still look. There is, there are, there is a spot for a quarterback that isn't a run-around guy in the NFL if yeah, you are you super right accurate to all levels and you're smart. By the way, Todd, I think uh, official ruling is, I believe it's modern day in California. Thank you. And Thank I, think, you. Uh, I think Mater D is like the person who serves you your food at a restaurant, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So maybe, you, I, I don't know, are you hungry? Down for a late lunch after this. I'm going to catch hell for that, yeah, but that's, that's all right. Good. Hey, <laughs> I've, I've caught I've hell for worse. Hey, people come here for the draft takes, and they end up finding some culinary definitions along the way. Uh, Mel Kuyper, you are, there are very few rules, I believe, that you follow in the draft that are sort of must. One of them is that, if at all possible, avoid taking a running back in the first round. But Najee Harris last night, another impressive performance. The yards per carry, just three and a half, 12, 20 carries uh, for 75 yards, uh, 3.75, I should say, two touchdowns. But the play that I'll remember from Najee Harris last night is Ohio State brought pressure off the edge. Mac Jones sensed it from his blind side and just sort of flipped the ball up, and Najee Harris corrals it. Uh, I believe Chris Fowler described it as vacuuming the ball into his grasp and running after the catch for an excellent receiving score. I mean, are you willing to concede that like maybe this guy does need to go in the first round and he could be sort of part of the rule breaker because of how much of a performance he's put on really this entire season? Great player, a great player. And I think when you watch him, you got to love the way he plays, the energy he plays with, how smart. He understands situations. He knows where the sticks are. The way he extends, the way he keeps his balance, uh, the, the way he gets through traffic, the way he carries tacklers. I mean, he is so good. He doesn't fumble. He had the one against Ole Miss where he has back to the goal line. The guy ripped it out late. Should have been, the play should have been dead. But uh, doesn't fumble, catches the ball. I mean, he's so quick. He's worked on his game, obviously, to go from where he was to where he is at Alabama. Um, fun to watch. And, and he got the tough yards. He earned it. Uh, he was a key to that football game. He's been a key to just every game they played during his career. Uh, now, I have no problem if you're taking a running back in the first if the coach, I always say, if the coach and GM say, I gotta have, if I'm the GM and the coach says, and the coaching staff says, I gotta have this guy. I gotta have him. And the grade is in line with where you're picking. I've said that about running backs in the first at various stages. Now, I wouldn't if I'm a GM and the coach says, nah, I'm with you. I'm fine. But if they're Pounding that table, Todd, to say, I got to have him. Najee Harris, to me, uh, and I looked last year, Jonathan Taylor, second round, loved him. J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State, loved him, second round. You can love a running back, and they still dropped to the second. Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, second round. Edward Solaire went late, last pick in the first. So, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Najee, but he plays like a first-round pick. Yeah, I, I, maybe, it's, maybe it's 16 weeks of taking six flights a week. And, I, and I'm just worn down. I'm not going to fight you on this one this time. But you, you, if they're special, they're special. And there's usually one and may, maybe two guys a year that are special enough where you consider it. But, but like philosophically, I agree with you. I really do. I, I, the, I don't like spending money at running back. And, and that's, a, it's what, that's what it's really all about. If you look at teams like – Look at NFL teams that have won the Super Bowl or that have been to the Super Bowl. How many of them have spent big-time money on running backs? And so I, I, I don't disagree with the, the philosophy at all. But now, Najee specifically, I've been so impressed because I, I watched him in the summer, and I, I studied all the tape from last year, and I saw a guy who he was, yeah, he was pretty – he was decent catching the ball. He was okay in pass pro, but he danced a lot. He was 230 pounds. I, I remember like tapping my leg, you know, doing this. 
tapping my leg, 6'2", 230. Why are you dancing around? Just just hit the A gap. Hit the B gap. Get up, get north and south. And this year, he's attacking. It's almost like someone sit, sat down and studied the tape with him and said, you know what, you can be this if you want to be this. And he decided, I want to be this. And that was it. And now he's a totally different back. And I have books falling off my shelf now because I'm punching, I'm punching the table. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, I was so frustrated watching his tape. And now I'm so impressed with the way he, he runs. He's patient, but the second there's a hole to hit, boom, up the field, no dancing, not trying to bounce outside and get that big run and lose four yards for it. And I, I think he's one it, – it, it's crazy to say because everyone knows Najee and everyone's known him for a couple of years. But I think he's one of the most improved players – in college football this past year in terms of what we saw on tape last year to what we're seeing on tape now. Two-yard runs last night became six, seven-yard runs. I yes. mean, it really did. I mean, it was yes. amazing. And and think about the difference of that in a game, you know, and then the ability to catch the ball and then pass protection. It just it, all the little things that add up over the course of a game, he has become a college, a talented college player, to now he's NFL ready. Like, let's go plug and plug and play starter. Uh, four more guys from Alabama. We'll do two quick hitters and then the two wide receivers. But we got We'll get to Devonte Smith in just a bit. Jalen Waddle though has to be addressed. Uh, Todd, I know you chimed in on this on Twitter. Um, you weren't the only one that I think feels this way. It was cool that Jalen Waddle was able to dress for the game last night for Alabama. He wound up playing though. He had three catches for thirty-four yards. And it's not my job to be a doctor. I certainly have much less information than anybody involved in that situation. But I couldn't help but sort of I had a pit in my stomach watching Jalen yeah. Waddle run around last night. I, I don't think it's your job. I don't think it's our job, I should say, to decide whether it was the right decision or not. But it just was one of those that I'm going to have a hard time forgetting, not just because he played, but like, was it even worth it for him? Yeah, when you're on the field with a guy like Jalen Smith and, and see him get that injury and lose the millions of dollars that he lost, and a couple, uh, Jake Butt from Michigan, I was on the field for that game, the Fiesta Bowl, and, and saw him lose millions of dollars. Like it's it's hard to watch. So o- over time, you just you know it, it bothers you. It bothers me to to see guys out there when they don't have to be playing, especially when you have such a significant lead. Uh, but I respect so much, you know, Jalen Waddle and his competitiveness. But there has to be an adult there that says, uh-uh, no, no, you can't do it. That, that, that's my only thing, honestly. And, and, and he was fine. And I, I, talked to, I, talked to pe- I talked to two different people yesterday before the game who said, Listen, he he's been practicing. He he can run. He can do make the cuts. But after everything, just kind of, I don't. They didn't say cramp up, but Stephens. it just mm-hmm. gives him so much pain that mm-hmm. he can't move. And I'm thinking to myself, so why are we doing this? We we got Devonte Smith. We've got John Mechie. We've got uh, Jaleel Billingsley. We got uh, Miller Forrestal. We we've got Najee Harris. I, I just didn't. I didn't understand why he was still in the game, especially. I, I got it early on, maybe as a decoy, but not late in the game. But ultimately, I loved, I loved the compete. I loved the fact that he wanted to be out there and he's so competitive. But, um, but it, yeah, it was tough to watch. And I, yeah, I, I, was, I was worried for him. I'll say this, Todd, and, and Field, you know, just watching that kid, as you say, compete. Final game he'll ever play in college. Championship on the line. I'm talking about when the game started. He practiced. He got back from an October 24th fractured ankle. That's amazing right there. He was even practicing enough to be able to run on that ankle. You have to go out there in a championship game and say, I want to be part of it. And he was. And he's going to look back when he's 50, 60 years of age, and he's going to go walk on that Alabama campus and say, I contributed to a victory in a championship game. My final game ever wearing that Crimson and Tide uniform. That Crimson and Tide uniform was worn for the final time for a lot of these players. And he was out there 
at far, far, I don't know what percentage you want to put on it. And he beat Sean Wade on that out route, okay? Uh, when John, uh, Sean Wade was thinking, I'm going to go deep. No, he broke it off. Big first down there. After they, like I say, they cut it to a, tor- a two-touchdown game. Uh, so I give the kid a lot of – I was holding my breath. I was saying, just don't get hurt. Don't, don't do anything to aggravate the injury. But you saw him after the game. He was euphoric. He was ex- – over those – I, com- I was part of this. I wasn't on the sidelines watching. Yeah. Okay, so for him in his final game, and again, the biggest game, we talk about opt-outs, bowl games, some don't matter, call it meaningless games. This was the championship. And to go out there on his final game, he'll ever wear that Crimson Tide uniform and perform and be a guy we're talking about now because he played. Not that he opted out, but he actually played. And people are, are saying, well, he shouldn't have. He should have been this, should have been that. You know, fortunately, nothing happened. We think nothing happened to aggravate the injury. And he's sitting there today, and for the rest of his life, he will look back on this team and this game, and Nick Saban said it's a special group to get through a COVID year and finish it off the way they did in dominant fashion. And Jalen Watt will be a, 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 a key element. You know, before he got hurt, he was a key component. And he, he had three catches last night, one of which came on that key drive. So for me, I'm just glad he survived it. And for him, he was out there doing it, got it done, and uh, let's let it let let let's end the, 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 the any negativity with that. We got enough of that going. Yeah, no, on. Let's end any what, negativity Mel? with that. You know what, Mel? You're right. You're absolutely right. I just I was so worried for him. That was it. Yep. Because I I I've, I've been on the sideline seven or eight times the last two years watching these guys and the way they compete and how I just love them. I I love these receivers. The the last obviously the last two years the four first rounders that we've talked about with with Rugs and Judy and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. The way they compete, and they're they're always chirping at each other, and they're always feisty. And you you need to do this better, and this is what you you know make this adjustment. And I love them. I, I I've come to I don't know why it's one of my favorite things that I get to do is being on the sideline watching these guys because they're so competitive. I just was worried about them. That's yeah, it. It's hard not to see the human side of it when you're watching Jalen Waddle. Uh, returned last night, but uh, glad to see, as Mel and Todd both said, that he is seemingly no worse for the wear when he wakes up this morning. A couple of quick hitters, and now we got to get into the Devontae Smith. I will start with you, Mel. Landon Dickerson, for those that don't know, Alabama center, mm-hmm. who didn't play until the final two snaps of last night, but he helped himself explain. I just think the kid, you watch him on the sidelines in uniform. And he looks just, like a WWE hype man out there. It's amazing. Yeah, I just you talk about the enthusiasm, the intensity, the leadership that he provided. How This is a guy transferred in, and what he did to anchor that talent-laden line, best offensive line in all of college football, and to do the job he did week in and week out. He's going to be a solid second-round pick, in my opinion. Todd, tell me what you think about that. Uh, I think he's the, the, the best center. I just watched him carry Nick Saban off the, you know, you know, at the end of the game just to be part of it, get a couple snaps at the end. He wouldn't be out there for that. Obviously, going to be any contact taking place on kneel downs. Uh, but Landon Dickerson meant – you talk about leadership and just galvanizing a team, what he meant in that locker room, practice field games. He meant as much as just about anybody, Todd, to what they were able to accomplish. Yeah, we, we watch a lot of football. I, I, and, and I guess I get numb to it sometimes because I'm just I'm watching the player, or the, you know, the jersey number or whatever it is. It's rare that I get goosebumps, and I got goosebumps last night. You know, watching him come on and them letting him take that snap and then carrying coach off. Like it, that, that, that's what it's all about, man. That, it's, it's so special. And, and he's everything that you want in not only your offensive lineman, but your center. You know, like he, he's the leader and he's the guy. And it was, that was so cool. It was and, that's what's, and that's one thing that's lost in all of this. I think when we look back and we say, should they have played? They, look at He wanted to be on the field. He wanted oh. to put that uniform on. And Jalen Waddle, you imagine if Nick Saban and the staff would said, no, Jalen, we're shutting you down. You're not, we, we're, you know, we're the adult in the room here. We're going to do, we're, we're not risking putting you out there. Imagine what, how Jalen Waddle would have felt today. You think of what would have been said then? No, you're right. You're right. And think I, about and that, guys. Just think about that when you hear all this criticism about he should have. Been. He was limping before the game. Okay, when he ran, he was going to be limping no matter what. But if you would have said no, we're not, you've got the NFL ahead in this championship game. You're going to stand on the sidelines. You're going to watch, and you are not playing. It's in your best interest not to play, and you're not playing. What would everybody have been saying then had right. that happened? Yeah, it would have been a whole different conversation. 
So the NFL draft is scheduled to begin on April 29th. But if it were conducted last night, I think that based off of Twitter, passion, drive, and patience, the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Devontae Smith was going number two overall to the New York Jets, behind only Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll start with you, Mel. How real is the possibility that Devontae Smith is a top five selection in the NFL, and how wise of an investment would that be for a guy who has rewritten basically every Alabama receiving record, a handful of SEC receiving records, also been named the Heisman Trophy winner since we last talked? Anything you could possibly ask for from a resume standpoint, Devontae Smith already has it on his resume. He's spectacular. I mean, and uh, you know, you look at him last night and what he was, I mean, to get off the line of scrimmage with that burst and the way he just, the way he schools a corner and his development from where he was to where he is and coming back to that, that final year, how it benefited Devontae Smith. Uh, you know, ironically, he got hurt on a drop. I mean, he catches that ball clean. He's not injured. And he plays the whole game probably. It was his third drop of the year resulted in that finger and that issue he had and why he didn't play the rest of the year. So that's kind of ironic how that all ended in terms of his career at Alabama for as great as he was winning a Heisman Trophy. It ends that way. But, uh, you know, he is, is, to me, he's worthy of being the second pick in the draft. We, Todd had him going three. I mean, he after after Trevor Lawrence, you could Penny Sewell to tackle from Oregon, you got to put him as the th- either the second, third best player in this draft. Todd? Is it, that, is it that high up on your board? And I think the question, and I, it's easy to make the case for why he deserves to go that high, right? The, the production just speaks for itself. I think probably the more difficult part of the conversation is to make the case against it. If you're going to do so, I think it's probably this, Todd. It's just that, like, if you're going to go in a top five for a wide receiver, maybe a guy who has slightly more elite traits. He's not 6'3", he's not 215 This is not Randy Moss in terms of the archetype. Does he still merit top five consideration, though, in your book? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd I'd love six six four two you know two fifteen, but come on, man, you got to just just watch this guy's. Take. He's absurd. I mean, the 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 little things that he does, getting getting off of the press. There are elite corners that are trying to press him, and they don't have a chance, and then leveraging the stem getting you know shove driving a guy down one way and then shaking him left and then coming back right and doing it all in full speed and but then also tempo tempoing his routes and all the little things he does and then as a 170 what is it 175 175 pound receiver he doesn't care about going over the middle he'll go take the hit and he just keeps popping up i, I just there's, there are dudes that are special, and Devontae Smith is special, and that's it. And, you know, it, it took this year because it, we had Henry Ruggs running the vertical routes with the 4-3 the speed, and we had Jerry Judy with his great route running, and, and we've always had uh, Jalen Waddle with his run after catch. And so there were always four guys, and now there are two this year. And then when Waddle went down, it was like, uh-oh. 
who who's going to step up? And Met, and John Mechie did. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give him credit. But Devontae has been at a different level. And you could just see that he is he, he's always been the most consistent, even though over the course of the last two years. And his route running and his toughness and his catching in traffic, I mean, it's everything. I, I, I don't care if you're 6'4 or 6'1. What's the difference? If you can get open and you can catch the ball and you can make plays and you can make plays after the catch, what is the difference? I don't understand why everyone's so worried about 6'3, 6'4, 220. Who cares? If you can't see it, you're blind. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, Mel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be Julio Jones Field. It's mm-hmm. nice to have that kind of size. But to Todd's point, the year that Marvin Harrison, that's what we all compare him to. And I was with Marvin the year he came out. And he has the same mentality, the same mentality of, of Devontae Smith. Special, worker, baller, all business. Everything you want to say about a great yeah, professional it's, it's player. All he ball. had. All ball. Yeah. And Todd, who went number one the year that Marvin Harrison came out? Marvin didn't go number one. You know, Marvin went in the middle of the first to the Colts, right? Keyshawn Johnson went number one. Key went number one. Key had that imposing size and had all those, and he had a great career. Marvin didn't go number two, three, four, five because he was slight. You know, you look at him coming out of Syracuse and look at the Hall of Fame career Marvin had. So this notion that Devontae Smith shouldn't be two, three coming off the board, you know, make the, try to make the same argument. Marvin shouldn't have been two or three coming off after Key with Key went number one. Yeah, sometimes we've got to maybe not overthink things so much based off of pasts and molds and sort of, you know, the, the, the check-the-box athletic skills or frames that we might normally assign to a player at a particular position. Uh, to wrap things up, so Todd, last week you released your first mock draft, first of many, and just a reminder, uh, the mock draft rules, which we might might adjust going forward, uh, there are no trades in the first round. We'll work on that. That's still to be determined. But, Todd, what was, like, the, the most popular piece of feedback? or Maybe feedback's not quite, quite the right word, right? Like, venom no, tends fe- to be. Feedback's the right word. Popular's okay. not. There you go. Okay. What was the, the most frequent feedback that you uh, heard from the masses about your first mock draft? Same thing that Kuiper's been chirping at me for, for the last few days. Justin Fields at 15. Mm. I would have him higher. He could have gone to. Yes, he could have gone to Atlanta at four. He could have gone to Detroit at seven, Dallas at 10, San Francisco at 12. Carolina at eight, right? And I had him in New England at 15. Justin Fields going 15 is what I've gotten the most, the, the most trouble for, you know, over the course of the week. But I, honestly, I, I, I don't think he's ready yet. And I, we started this podcast talking about it, and we're going to end it talking about it. I don't think he's ready yet, so I think he could drop a little bit. Do I think he's going to be at 15? No. There's going to be a team that moves up for him, and I, I, I would project a trade. But I think Justin Fields needs to go to a place where he has a year to develop. Let me just say this, uh, what Todd just said. Field, I think we are going to make an executive decision here, and we're going to – and I hope our listeners are happy. I told Todd I would give him a late Christmas present. The <laughs> rules are gone. There's no more rules. You can make trades whenever you want. First round <laughs> trades yeah. can now be done. It's been done. This is huge. It's I mean, this changes everything, Todd. You wore me out, Todd. It changes everything. <laughs> uh, one one last uh, mock draft shop mock draft thought before we get each of your minutes to sort of really close the show is we now know where the Jets first pick acquired from the Seattle Seahawks will be first of two first round picks. It's pick 23. Mel, we're going to talk about the number two pick a ton. And I know it's harder to project who will be available the further removed we are from pick one, but whether it's a positional group or a particular player or players that you think makes sense for the Jets at 23, who might be on their radar right now? Well, I think when you look down the line, you're talking about the 23rd pick in the draft for the New York Jets. And depending upon what happens at that elite spot, that number two spot, will determine 23. So it depends. Who do you get at that point? What decision do you make? Is there a trade made? You, know, you think about all the picks the Jets have right now. So you have to really plug somebody in at two to determine 23. Mm-hmm. We talk about you know, what they need. Edge rusher, corner. 
Think about running back, wide receiver, offensive line, all these different issues that the Jets have. But who's that second pick? Is it Penny Sewell? Is it Devontae Smith? Is it a trade down? So I don't want to dodge the question in terms of what you said, Phil, but it all hinges on what happens at pick number two. Yeah, I think it's hard enough to do like a mock of the first five picks. I don't know how you guys do the first eventually like 64 picks in the draft. Uh, Quite an unenviable task that each of you have as we get closer to the actual draft itself. Let's get to our minutes. So, Todd, First up on you, and we talked a little bit earlier about Najee Harris, but uh, continue those thoughts about Najee and his incredible season this year. Yeah, I've just been impressed. I really have. And I said it before, but I I think he's one of the most improved players from a year ago. And it had to just be hard work over the offseason and talking to people inside the building. That's what he did. You know, going to playgrounds and, and working out and doing the little things that he had to do. And knowing what he had to do. And I I respect that part. Like actually listening to people say, all right, you've got to get better at this. You got to stop dancing. You you're a 230 pound back, get North and South and doing it and becoming more instinctive as an inside runner and then catching the ball more in in Steve Sarkeesian's offense and, and and really becoming a, a threat after the catch and also handling his business in pass protection He's become a complete back. Coming into the year, I think I had him at number three. I'd have to go back and look behind Travis Etienne. And another, there was another back that I had in there. But Najee, to me, is moving up. And I'm going to, next time I release my rankings, he's going to be the number one back in this class ahead of Travis Etienne from Clemson. And it's all because of what he did in the offseason when everyone was worried about you know, all the, uh, the other stuff, the external stuff, the social media, the uh, social issues that we have, the COVID issues that we, we've dealt with. He just worked. And I love that about him. And Mel, he's got such elite football character as well. He really does. He really does. You know, Todd's on vacation each week going to college games and hanging out on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's having fun, and I'm here grinding here in the don't compound. You, don't you know, even 16 get me TVs on, Kiper. doing all this stuff. And a couple months ago, I made the move with Najee Harris a couple months ago to that number one running back spot to, to the point, I think, just a complete. Uh, and, and I just think, Todd, and, and, and Field, watching him play, he loves the game, and he's over there with the smile on his face. Everything he can do, uh, he, like I said, the sense, and I say such a smart running back to have a sense of where the chains are. What do I need to do on this run? He goes into every play. What do I need to do to make this play work individually? Okay, and, and what he did, create on his own yards that were just not there. And they were key yards. And this was a 14-point game at one point. This wasn't a game, but he was like, oh, it was a route. Well, it was a 14-point game, you know, late third quarter. So it was about six minutes ago in the third quarter. So, again, you're talking about Najee delivering when he had to catch the ball blocking. Yeah, I got to say, I think, you know, as far as running backs go, I like Travis Etienne. No question about it. Like Trey Sermon. But this guy, to me, is clearly, without a doubt, Todd and Field, he is without a doubt there's a distance between Najee and everybody else at running back right now yeah he just played so well from start to finish this entire year that Alabama team might be one of the best if not the best that we've ever seen under the guidance of Nick Saban so that's what we have this week here for first draft before we say goodbye a reminder to do us a favor please head over and rate review subscribe on iTunes if you have that five-star review it goes a long way that'll allow more and more mock draft trades as Todd and Mel release further additions uh, from uh, over the next few weeks here. Uh, guys, we have no more college football ahead of us other than a bowl game. We do have the uh, Senior Bowl a couple of weeks away in Mobile, Alabama, but the games have been played. The full pre-draft, prospect, pre-draft process is officially underway. Mel and Todd, I'll talk to you guys again in a week. Who knows what we'll be talking about? We'll probably still be admiring Devontae Smith because, frankly, what he's done this year merits us talking about him for much more than just one show. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Mel, Todd, be well, my friends. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, fellas.